Hey, this is Pastor Mark. You do not want to miss this week's podcast. You're going to laugh till you cry, but it's good tears. They're good tears. So, man, tune in. Listen to this podcast. It's going to inspire you, encourage you, and, and prayerfully help bring change that you desire in your life. God bless you. Thanks for listening. Well, after the worship experience, we'll have our prayer team come forward again. You can come and just turn to somebody and greet them right now before you're seated. Look, I didn't, you got you to watch the conductor up here, man. The lights come on is not a sign. <laughs> so just, uh, yeah, greet somebody. Tell them you're glad they're here. And those of you that somebody squeezed your hand, I want you at the end of the worship experience to be willing to just walk with them, meet a prayer partner. We'll give you a card and uh, help you know what to do from here, Okay. Love seeing all of you here today, and I want to take just a brief moment and say thank you to all of you who are now servant leaders at Mosaic Church OKC. We had a great turnout at 9:30. I mean, it was amazing, uh, and I, I wasn't back in the auto, I wasn't in the lobby for for the 11 prior to the 11. But uh, you can't build a church without people joining hands and, and laboring together to love people who come in. In my master's degree program, we did all this study on what causes churches to grow. And I think it's important for us to understand that growth means that we're touching more people and influencing more people. It's not to impress anyone, but it's to transform all of us. And one of the things I'll never forget was they said, you need to make sure people feel welcome. And the way you do that is you make sure that people are touched five times before they get to their chair. That's the goal. So we have people in the parking lot because we want you to, to feel welcome at this place. We want that to be the first touch point. When you get to the front door, there will be people there. Some of you signed up to do that today and be that. You have no idea how critical you are and how vital you are to someone feeling like they belong here. And so you touch there. And then between those two doors, the door that you enter and the door to coming into the auditorium, another touch, maybe two. And then by the time you get to the auditorium door, other people stand in there. You're going you're gonna to be carrying Germex in. Because we're going to germ you up in the name of God. You know, we just love you. And before you get to your seat, we're hoping that people come in here and they just make it their own job to say, man, I'm so glad you're here. At 9.30, I was walking around in here shaking hands just because I want you to know that it is a privilege for us to be able to serve you. And we pray that you would feel the same, that it would be your privilege to serve others. And I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for joining us and signing up to become servant leaders. You are very, very important to the vision of God and the plan of God. We are doing a series entitled Dedicated. This will be the final uh, sermon in that series. What does it mean to be dedicated? It means that come rain, hail, sleet, or snow, feel good, feel bad, you're going to go. I mean, you're going to be the person that you need to be. And uh, it takes a lot to be dedicated nowadays. It really does. There are so many easy ways out uh, from doing what we, we really need to be doing and I just believe that serving others and loving others is, is such a vital part of our Christianity and our faith. And so we're finishing this, and today we're going to be talking about God's provision is connected to your location. 
And in this case, I'm going to be talking about Abraham when God asked him to sacrifice his son at the top of a mountain. Last week, I talked about going to the top, that Jesus went to the top of the mountain, took three disciples, and there God visited him. Your location is connected oftentimes to your miracle. You've been waiting. Some people have sat at home and prayed. They've sat at home and, and really try to believe God, and I'm not criticizing or minimizing that. But the reality is that faith without action is dead. Faith without works is dead. So wherever there's faith and there's true faith, people will walk that out and say, God, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. I believe in miracles, and I do believe that location is very, very important. You've heard me, if you've ever heard me preach, I would tell you straight up that I don't believe I can go anywhere I want and achieve anything I want. I believe that my miracle and my gift is connected to my obedience, which is connected to a location. I believe that you're here today by the appointment of God. When I pray for this church and ask God to bring people, I don't ask him just to bring people. I say, God, bring those that you've ordained to be at Mosaic, that you have, you've led here. Uh, because I believe that if God led you here, your miracle is here. And I even believe if he didn't lead you here, we'll believe for your miracle anyway. But I'm just telling you, I believe that the footsteps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. I believe that God has places for us to go and things for us to do. You know, I, 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 a year ago when I started, not even a year ago, March 20th will be a year that we've been here, I told you this was not my first pick. Come on, somebody, get happy with me. I was thinking beach or mountains. How many of you feeling me on that? I was thinking salt water and ocean breeze, man. That's what I was thinking. And God, God had where the wind and allergies come sweeping down the plains. And I just sneezed my way right back in here. <laughs> here we are, baby. We Okies from Muskogees. <laughs> but I, I, believe, I believe my blessings here. I believe my miracles here. I, I do. As much as I love the beach, I, I don't want to miss my miracle. I really don't. I, I don't want to miss it for anything in the world. And so as I preach this message today and teach the Word of God... I want, I want you to be thinking about your life, where you're working, where you're living, where you're going, what you're doing. Do you do it by rote? Do you do it just by happenstance every day? You, do you just get up and you take the same route to work because you've been doing it for years without any thought? I want to challenge you to every day start thinking about your steps, where you're going, why you're going there, how you're getting there. I believe our steps are ordered by the Lord, and I don't want to miss my miracle. And I know that if I follow God, I have great things from God waiting on me. And, you know, some of you have been waiting on the Lord. And I want to tell you, God's been waiting on you. The Bible says those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. Uh, some of you take that as an inactive verse, but it means to engage. Like a servant, like you have a waiter at a restaurant. He's waiting upon you. How come we're not waiting upon the Lord? In other words, God, I'm going to serve you into my miracle. I'm going to worship you into my miracle. I'm going to follow you into my miracle. I'm going to be an active pursuant of your miracle. I'm not going to settle. Man, there are days you get fatigued, you get tired, and you just say, man, I'm just going to heaven. Yeah, but you know what? I don't want to just go to heaven. I want to suck heaven to earth and get it down here before I ever get there. I want to bring it right in. Be it done on earth as it is in heaven. In other words, I'm praying heaven here. Yeah. 
And the way I get heaven here is to meet heaven on my journey, on my pathway following God. My miracle's out there. I'm not waiting on God to bring it to me. I'm going to my miracle. It's time to put a demand on God's promises. Some Christians don't like it, but, you know, it really, uh, God's saying, I want, you to, I want you to pull on my promises. You put a demand on the promises of God because when you're in covenant with God, you have a right to the promises of God. And so some people are sitting around acting like that, that you have no role in your miracle. You have a huge role in your miracle. There are all kinds of things we can do to get the miracle. Paul said, I press toward the mark. He didn't say, I wait on the mark, I wait on the goal. He said, I'm pressing toward it. Now, some of you type C personalities, you're precious and you're sweet, but we got to get some A injected into you. Because I'm just telling you, you can be the sweetest, nicest person in the world, but you can be a tiger for the kingdom of God. I love to see little sweet, soft-spoken people get all fired up about, listen, I'm sweet, but you get in my way, and I will run over you in the name of Jesus with a smile. (laughs) See, sometimes we're just too nice, and nice is not a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Check it out. Genesis 22, verse 1. Later on, God tested Abraham's faith. Let me pause. Later on, God tested Abraham's faith. Now, there are people who say, well, God doesn't test. Yeah, God tests all the time. He doesn't tempt, but he tests. And the reason God tests is not to show you what you don't know, but God tests you to prove what you do know. God wants to pull out of you his word and his knowledge, and so he will give you a test and say, do you really believe I'm God? Do you really believe I can do what I say I'll do? Do you believe it? And so he's asking Abraham this question because he's testing him. He's testing him. Now, let me say this. God is the teacher. You are the student. I am the student. Guess what? At the beginning of school semesters, the students do not do the lesson plans. The teacher does. So the teacher does the lesson plans, and the teachers administrate the tests. As students, it's our job to know the material. That's why we come to church. That's why we watch online. Is we want to have the material known so that we can know what to expect when the teacher comes and says, you've got a test. I had a course in college, freshman year. I hated it. I didn't see the significance of it. It was called Humanities Discussion Class. We were supposed to watch on video and then come and have a discussion. And in that class, every week without fail, we would come in, and there would be days at a time that the teacher would come in and say, take out a pencil. This is back when they used pencils and paper. (laughs) feel like Fred Flintstone. Take out a pencil and a piece of paper. And And every day we'd be taking a test. We'd be taking a quiz. Finally, one day, I lifted my hand. I said, sir, is my name on the roll? He said, what's your name? I said, Mark Crow. He said, yes, it is. I said, I can't believe it because I enrolled in humanities discussion, not humanities quiz. (laughs) Can I tell you, I failed that course. (laughs) I am telling you the truth. I got a big F. You know why? I was the student. I wasn't the teacher. And sometimes you're just smart to shut up and step up. 
Take the test. Learn the material. Problem was, I didn't like the material, so I wasn't studying the material, so I wasn't ready for the quiz, and I failed. Now, let me tell you, God's given you the lesson plan. It's called the Bible. You can argue with it all you want to argue with it, and you cannot like it. But if you learn it, you pass the test, baby. And when you're living in fear, if you know the book, what it says, okay, what if, if the teacher says, Mark, what about fear? Well, you said that you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of love and a power of sound mind. Pass. Because fear drives most everything. You just got to learn the Bible enough to know, I'm, I'm going to pass the test. Abraham was tested. And it says, tested his faith and obedience. Abraham called, God called, yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son, yes, Isaac, whom you love so much, and go to the land of Moriah. Sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will point out to you. So he tells Abraham, go to this area, and once you get there, I'll give you your next... Uh, I'll give you your next sign of what to do, or your next word of what to do. But you got to get there first. So he says, then I'll tell you what, what to do when you get there. I'll point it out to you. The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him along with his son Isaac. Then he chopped wood to build a fire for burnt offering and set out for the place where God had told him to go. On the third day of the journey, Abraham saw the place in the distance. Stay here with the donkey, Abraham told the young men. Now listen, this is key. This tells you before Abraham ever is ready to sacrifice Isaac that he believed God. And he said, the boy and I will travel a little farther. We'll worship there, get this, and then we will come right back. Hold it. He knows he's going to have to sacrifice his son. He, he's, he knows, God said, I want you to put him on the altar, tie him down, and then I want you to stab him, and I want you to burn him. And Abraham looks at them and says, we'll be back. We will be back. Now, that's faith right there, folks. That is faith. He's saying, yeah, God told me either God's going to not make me do it or he's going to resurrect him. I'm going to obey God because I trust God. And here's the trick. God's plan requires a location. Something happens somewhere. You are somewhere at whenever you get your miracle. You're always somewhere. And in this particular case, Abraham has to go to the top of the mountain in this place. Why is the place important? Because God says, I, I got a surprise for you. Remember, so he raises his knife to sacrifice his son, and God says, stop. And he all of a sudden he hears a ram stuck in the thicket. What if he'd have been on the wrong mountain? What if he'd have been in the wrong place? You don't think it's important that you and I have our steps ordered by God? I'm telling you, God is so full of grace that most of us, and I say uh, us, randomly get up every day and go, here's what I got to do on Monday. Well, we know you got to go to work, and we know you got things to do, but what if you got up and said, you know, God, I've been driving the same way to work at the same time, going to the same stupid bucks, I mean Starbucks, every, because it's just stupid to pay five bucks for a cup of coffee when you can do a Keurig for a buck. Okay, now, 
I've been doing the same thing for so long that I don't even have to think. And you know what? That's exactly what the devil wants us to do is to not think, not pray, not submit, not surrender, not care, and just go about our day acting like we belong to ourselves. And God's saying, I have miracles laid out for you, but you haven't even asked me what to do, where to go, how to get there. You think I'm being silly? I challenge you this week. I challenge you this week. Do something different. Do something that you ain't never done before and say, God, I know that you're going to order my drive to work. You're going to order where I eat, where I stop. Thank all 30% of you. I believe that every day is filled with miracles that we miss because we miss the time of stopping and saying, God, today I belong to you. Some of you are working where you're not supposed to be working, but that's okay. Let me help you out here. No, you say, well, you know, because you live your life by design. You really do. You're the one that applied for the job that you're now working at. So quit blaming your boss and the company. Oh, I hate it. I work the company and I work for Big Brother. Well, you ought to be thanking Big Brother and sending him a turkey on Thanksgiving. <laughs> it, it, you know, if God doesn't have you there, at least make everybody else's life better and don't be miserable. You see what I say? We whine, we complain, we, we, we don't like the way things are, and we think that God's going to change it because we're whining and complaining. All right, fail the test. We get what God has because we declare what God promises. Yeah. We don't get what God has. We don't get our miracle because we complain about our problem. We get our miracle because we believe God is a God of miracles. So if you want something, quit complaining that somebody else ain't giving it to you because they're not the ones anyway. You might actually get a raise if you start blessing your boss and your company. God says, you know what? I like your attitude because what you said is this company's not the problem. Your company is not the problem. Your landlord is not the problem. Your boss is not the problem. Your mama and daddy ain't the problem. They put your diaper on too tight, but everything's all right. <laughs> so I hear people say, well, you know, I just grew up in the ghetto. I grew up in this, and I grew up in that. Look, I know. We all got issues. There ain't one of us in here functional. <laughs> we act like it's strange when they have a dysfunctional family. Everybody's family is dysfunctional. And if you think it's not, that means you're dysfunctional. <laughs> come, come on, man, who's the standard of functional? In my neighborhood, you would think they were crazy. Our standard of functional was way off. I'm trying. And so the bottom line is we start measuring whether or not we're going to get our miracle by how good we are or miracles happen by happenstance. Miracles don't happen by happenstance. The woman with the issue of blood didn't say, well, I've heard about Jesus. Hope he comes to my house. She said, get out of my way. She's elbowing Pharisees, Sadducees, and saying, I'm going to get to Jesus. My miracle is over there. She didn't sit around and whine and say, I got an issue of blood, and it ain't stopping. I spent all my money. I'm broke. God, bring my money back. She said, I want my miracle. And I'm going to find my miracle. Lepers crying out, come over here. The, the, the disciples saying, shut up. Jesus said, hold stop it. They wanted their miracle. 
It's time for us to press and quit being lulled to sleep by social media and all the easiness and comforts of our society and say, I'm going to fight for what Jesus died for. Not even in my notes. That's a free appetizer right there. You didn't have to bring a coupon. People say, you know, I had an employee one time, and, and I could never get him off a of high center. He, he moved like a turtle, and he thought like a hare. He was conflicted, and so were we. And I'd go up to him. i said, man, why aren't you getting this done? He was a really good guy. He really was. He was a great guy. I loved him to death. He's one of my best friends. And he said, but you know my heart. I said, really? Your actions reveal your heart. So, yeah, you're right. You're lazy. I know your heart. See, when people say, well, you know my heart, I have a heart to serve the Lord. Well, if you have a heart to serve the Lord, you ought to be serving the Lord. If you tell me I have a heart to serve the Lord, but you're not serving the Lord, then you don't have a heart to serve the Lord. You see what I'm saying? It just makes no sense to me that we let people off the hook because we know my heart. Yeah, I know your heart. I watch how you act. I mean, we're all stupid a little bit, but you know what? Be a stupid servant. That's better than just being stupid. You know what I'm saying? To me, it's just because we're all just, you know, if you're looking and say, well, I can't serve at that church because I'm this or I'm that, you can serve in this house, baby, because all of us are jacked up from the neck up. I'm telling you right now. Our thinking is like all over, up and down. No, but here's, look, look, we measure people by their, you know, we're looking and we're saying, you're such a good person, you're a nice person. A lot of nice people are miserable because they just are. They're just being nice and they're tired of being nice. And they, they pray fire down from heaven on you at night. In the privacy of their own bedroom, they're like, oh, Jesus, you know I'm nice. Please scald them. Watch out for nice people. <laughs> your miracle is connected to your obedience and to a location. I can prove it throughout the Bible. When I started looking and studying miracles and studying even for this week, I went back and I, I thought, let me just get a few examples because, you know, preachers can't have 25 examples or we'd be here till midnight. So there were three that stood out to me. Number one was Naaman. Naaman was a very popular man. He was esteemed highly. He had a high position. And he had leprosy. How many of you know that sickness and disease does not check bank accounts? It, it can fall on anybody. And in this case, Naaman, who was a wealthy man and highly esteemed, finds himself with leprosy. And, and they were trying to find a way to get him cured of leprosy. And they'd heard about this man named Elisha, that he was a prophet of, from God and that that if you'd go see Elisha, you might be healed. Your miracle might be at that location. So he goes and, and he, he knocks on the door. One of his servants goes and knocks on the door and commissions the prophet of God to come out. Elisha refused to come out. Elisha just from another room said, just tell him. This is a real wealthy man. This is a popular man. This is a, a man of esteem, a man of dignity. And how dare this prophet tell me to go dip Seven times in the dirty Jordan River. 
we've got prettier lakes where I'm from, more pretty rivers where I'm from. And the prophet, he could have come out and waved his hand over me. That's, that's what uh, Naaman said to one of his servants when Naaman was angry and said, well, let's leave. They start leaving and the servant, well, what if he'd asked you to do something more simple or something else? The servant is pleading with this arrogant Naaman and saying, he told you if you dipped in the Jordan, your leprosy would be gone. So finally, the servant talks Naaman in to going to the Jordan River one time down. Think about it, one time down. Comes up, still got leprosy. Two times, still got leprosy. Four times, still got leprosy. Most of them say, see, it's not working. I still look like a marshmallow. White, things falling off. Yeah, I know, I, graphic. It's a PG-13 sermon. And he dips a fifth time and a sixth time. Still got leprosy. Location and obedience. Seventh time he goes down and when he comes up this time, miracle had happened because he did what he was supposed to do in the place he was supposed to do it. How bad do you want your miracle? See, some of y'all, God said, look, if you just go to your husband and tell him, you love him or he's, you're sorry. Your husband's more likely you need to go to your wife. <laughs> what if that was all it was? God said, go, go apologize seven times. And you go, I ain't apologizing. She'll take advantage of me. I know. She's a woman. And she's singing the same thing about you. You're a man. What if your miracle meant that? What if that's all it took to get your miracle? Would you do it? Obedience and location. Lo- obedience and location. You know, I was, I, when I came back here, I was under no illusion that anybody would even show up. Actually, I was kind of thinking maybe nobody would and I could get out of this. <laughs> I'd go to the beach. And then you all started showing up. You know, I, I had police at the very first service because I felt like we were kind of like having a NASCAR race. Some people came to watch the race. Others came to watch the crash. I wasn't sure who was who. (laughs) So I just decided, you know, I'm just going to go back and face the demons of my city and go back. And I just been so happy when when God said, you know, I'm going to surprise you because this is the place of your miracle. I told you that January 3rd of last year. This is the place of your miracle. Yeah, 25 of you are excited. The others are going, where's the crash? This is the place of your miracle, Mark. This is the place of your miracle. The miracle is that some idiot like me could come back to a city where stupid reigned and that God could still do something. Let me tell you, it works for everybody, folks. It works for everybody. It works for everybody. Your bad cannot compare with his good. Your stupid cannot compare with his wisdom. Your blood cannot compare with his blood that covers all sin. See, that verse goes on to say in Genesis chapter 22, And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son, And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah 
Jireh, or in the English, the Lord will provide. When you start hearing a rustling in your life, in your house, in your job, and you start hearing something shaking and something making noise, it's God bringing your provision because you're in the right location and you're obedient to him. It's not a burglar in your house. It's God saying, I'm here in the house. Abraham had to be in the right place at the right time doing the right thing for God to say, instead of killing your son, i got to sacrifice. I just wanted to see if you love me and trusted me. I'll keep in perfect peace those whose minds are stayed on me because they trust in me. Trust is vital to our obedience and our faith. Do I really trust God? Do I really believe God? Yes. Tomorrow morning, I want to challenge you. Get up. Go home and think about it tonight. God, what direction do you want me to take to work tomorrow? You say, don't be silly. You know what? You never know what might happen. When I lived in Tulsa, I was a youth pastor. I didn't make diddly squat for money. Matter of fact, we were pitiful. The pitiful called us pitiful. The Poe people called us Poe. And I was just a youth pastor, man, and every, every dollar, every dime, you know, I could, I, George Washington screams when I get my hands on him. It's that dollar bill, he ain't letting you go. George, I got to have you. And so one day, I, I, I had a coolie cup, and, and I, I think it's coolies, uh, coolies are what quick trip serves, right? Is anybody an expert on quick trip coolies? I believe they were coolies, it's been a long time. They're not good for you, Okay. But back then, I didn't care about fitness. I just cared about satisfaction. And uh, coolies satisfied me. And so there was a quick trip just less than a mile from my house. And every day, I had my routine. I, I, would, I would drive down 111th Street on my way to Memorial Avenue. And I would drive down Memorial. I'd go to 71st Street. I'd turn left, and I'd go to my office about a quarter of a mile up from 71st and Memorial. Well, this particular day, I heard the voice of God. And he said, don't go there today. I thought maybe God was going to make me stop my coolie addiction. And I was a little depressed. And he said, don't go there today. And I, I, I really had this conversation with God under my breath. I was like, well, can I have a coolie? He said, yeah, I want you to go to another place. Okay. Quick trips all over Tulsa, so it wasn't hard. I had my quick trips all lined out because coolies were important. I needed to celebrate recovery group. And so I went to this other quick trip. I got out of my car, took my coolie cup in, the refill, went in, filled it up, paid. And I'm coming out of that, that quick trip, beautiful morning, and I hear this, this person yell out, Hey, Mark! I thought, oh, God. <laughs> Never knew, you know. And I said, oh, I looked over, and it was a family in the church, and I, their kids were in my youth group. Their kids were a very active part of my youth group. Good kids. and So I went over to say hi to them. And they had them all in the car. And um, I just began to talk to them. They were, you know, we want to thank you for all you do for our kids. And thank you for caring for them and involving them and teaching them the Bible. And, and as I'm on the passenger side, the wife is sitting there and the husband's on, behind the wheel. And all of a sudden I look over and I see him doing something. Well, then I stood up to get ready to leave. He said, hold on a minute. And he hands me a $100 bill. Location, location, location. God said, don't go to that quick trip. Go to this one. I got a miracle waiting on you. 
That $100 bill, I felt like King Kong. Thought, my gosh, I hadn't seen one of these. Matter of fact, I had to go check and see if it was real. See, I, I decided that day that, and ever since then, that I probably ought to think about different routes to where I'm going. How critical is it? How often do you just get up in the day and go, I'm going to go where I want, when I want, how I want, the way I've always gone. But I tell you, I believe with everything in me, if we're going to be led by the Spirit of God, it's not a momentary thing, it's not a one-time thing, it's an everyday thing. God, where do you want me to be and when do you want me to be there? I'm looking for my miracle. I mean, you've got to have the where's Waldo attitude. Where you just look for Waldo. I'm looking for God, oh. Looking for my miracle, oh. Intense. My favorite magazine as a kid was Highlights because I would look for all the hidden things in the picture. I like looking for hidden things, and I believe God's not played in hide and seek. God's saying, look, I've given you a flashlight. My word is a lamp unto your path and a light unto your feet. And if you'll shine it, there will be no darkness that will hide the miracle that I have for you. First Kings chapter 17. Elijah was always in trouble. Seemed like he was always. Because when you hear a word from God or have a word from God or God's favoring your life, people want what you have, but they're not willing to do what you do to get it. You know, if, if you want to get well, you do what you need to do to get well. Yeah, God is a healer, but you know what? You probably don't want to go take a shower outside in 32-degree temperatures. You've got to be smart. You've got you to figure out what God has. And Elijah is having trouble with Ahab, and it says, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives, whom I serve, he's telling Ahab, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years except at my word. You say, well, he's arrogant. No, he was representing God. That doesn't always make a person popular. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. In other words, Elijah, you're going to have to get out of here for a while because they're going to want to kill you. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the... Now listen to this. Hide in the Kareth Ravine. He didn't say, Elijah, get out of here. He said, I have a place for you to go. And where I'm sending you, there you will find your miracle. There you will find your miracle. When I was praying and coming back to this city, about coming back to this city, sleeping on a friend of mine's floor on an inflatable mattress that every night leaked, I'd wake up in a taco the next morning. <laughs> and I was asking God, give me a place to have church. Give me a place to have church. God, give me a place. And one day I heard the Lord as clear as a bell. It was about a year ago, just not, actually just a little over a year ago now because it was the 1st of February. And God said, quit asking me for a place. He said, you start asking me for the place. I don't want you to ever ask me for a thing. I want you to always ask me for the thing. I want the job. I want the house. I want the church. I want the car. I want the spouse. I want the, the, the. A gives a lot of opportunity for you and I to get off track because God has a specific place for you. He said, Elijah, go to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. God's getting real specific here. You will drink from the brook, 
and I have ordered the ravens to feed you there. Come on, somebody. I, God told me birds were going to feed me. Seriously? How much weight can a bird carry? He's not going to carry a steak, go kill a cow, and bring me the filet. What, am I going to eat bird feed? And then God makes the brook dry up because he has another place for Elijah to go. One miracle to another. If you look at the life of Jesus, all he did was went from one place to another doing miracles. Folks, it happens today. We're discouraged. We, we, we don't believe because we, we see things just happening randomly. But I'm telling you, we can shift. We can shift a home. The attitude and atmosphere of a home. We can shift literally the attitudes and atmosphere of a building and an office complex and a city and a community and a neighborhood. We, we have the power of God to make supernatural things happen out of obedience to Him. I'm serious. God has the person for you, the house for you, the job for you, the place for you. What if Abraham would have gone to another location? Would Isaac still be a, have lived in that moment? I just want us to say, I want to say this. Our provision is connected to our obedience and to a location. You know, this is not a... When I talk about provision, obviously Naaman's provision was health. Elijah's provision was food. Abraham's provision was a ram, a sacrifice. God has provision for us if we'll obey Him. And I want to say this. The hardest things to deal with in humanity for all of us is what we do with our time and what we do with our money. Typically, those are the two things you'll hear a response from people. Well, I don't have time and I don't have money. Am I right? I mean, I've been in that category. Don't have time, don't have money. So what do you do? If you want time, what do you do? You invest time. It's the principle of sowing and reaping. If I want more time, it makes no sense that I give time. But when I give time, I reap time. God takes time and puts it in my favor. So the time that I get is redeemed time, bought back by God, which means it's fruitful time. When I say I need money, I give money. If I needed a car, I used to give cars away because I need another car. It's just what I did. I learned the principle of sowing and reaping early on, and I just decided that's how I was going to live my life. And you know, I want you to be better. I want your life to be wonderful. As I already stated, I was really kind of praying 50-50 that the church would fail <laughs> and that I could go to the beach. I'm just being honest with you guys. You have no idea. When you all started coming, I'm thinking, really, God? <laughs> Seriously? You're really going to do this? These people hold me accountable, God. They kind of come expecting me to say something. <laughs> but I'm having the time of my life because my miracle's here. My miracles are here. <laughs>